The chosen leadership for the church were the disciples. They were the foundation. These 12 guys were the first leaders within the church. And they had not even begun to grasp the idea of what real biblical or Christian leadership is by the time they're with Jesus at the Last Supper and he's about to go and die. No wonder Jesus said to the disciples a few times, how long have I been with you and you still don't get this? And I think that when something is so radically different than our culture, it's really hard for us to get it. It's hard for us to grasp. And I think that's what they were going through. They had seen leadership. They had seen the scribes and the Pharisees, the lawyers and the Sadducees. They had seen them battling for the best spots, being called rabbi. They saw that they wanted to be great. They sought for that greatness among the people. And Jesus was trying to tell them, that's not what we're going to do. That's what they do, but that's not what we're going to do. And it took them a long time to get it. And I do believe eventually that they got it. This went against everything Jesus had already taught them. You could go back to the three years that they were with Christ and him often dealing with leadership, with servanthood, with not exalting yourself, not wanting to be called by a certain name, rabbi or master. He said, don't call anybody else on earth your father. All of these things, and yet they still weren't getting it. At one point, they just threw off all abandon and went to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell us, the 12 disciples, which one of, uh, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? You know, because they're constantly arguing like, we want you to so solve this issue for us. Which one of us is the greatest? They had a lot to learn. Now, leadership conferences, leadership podcasts, leadership YouTube channels are very popular. They get a lot of views. Leadership is something that people are, are desirable to look into, and rightfully so. Think about all of the leaders that you've had throughout your life. Think about the bosses that you've had. How many of you have had bad bosses? I just want to see a show of hand. Raise your hand. Don't you wish that they would have known better about leadership? I could tell you that I, I had a bad boss when I was in my early 20s. I had had my own businesses. And I went to, I start up a, an upholstery uh, program for uh, a company that did all kinds of other things. This guy was the worst boss that I ever had. He'd run around screaming at people, throwing up his hands and yelling at people. And it was, it was so demeaning and lacked motivation. And so we would like all of the bosses that are here to be the best leaders that you can. This is not just for Christian leadership. This is for you to take these principles and bring them into the shop or into the hospital or into the department or wherever you're at and at whatever level of leadership you have, these are for you as a Christian. This isn't just Christian leadership that you're in Christian ministry. Now you're that kind of a leader. This is Christian leadership for a Christian that's in leadership. And these are principles that you use. Very important. Now, I took some time to look up a few YouTube pages on leadership and look at their most popular videos, the ones that had the highest views, and also look at their latest videos. Here's some of the things that I found. I found videos on believe in yourself. There were a lot of those. Believe in yourself. You can't lead people unless you believe in yourself. You got to believe in yourself to lead people. One of the first things that we learn is I need to believe in Christ and trust in him, follow him. You believe in yourself. Well, maybe you're capable and maybe you're not, right? Right. Maybe you need more. 
Another one was to think positively, and you get this everywhere, right? Think positively with your leadership decisions was one of them. When you're going to make leadership decisions, you need to be positive about it and, and think positively about it. You need to make your own reality was another one, which again, these are so cliche-ish. And, and I'm not saying that these are typical of what worldly leadership is or that worldly, worldly leadership conferences or, or training times can't help leadership because I think they can. I'm not saying they're all bad. It's just amazing to me that these are just for leadership and this is the kind of stuff that they come up with. Uh, one of them was sell yourself and your ideas, which again, so goes against biblical ideas. S to sell yourself, sell your ideas. No one's going to want to do your ideas unless you sell it to them. So you got to learn how to be a good salesman and sell yourself. Let me say to every Christian in here, don't sell yourself. All right. Don't sell. It's not what we're all about. Serve. That's the S that we're supposed to do. Serve, not sell. There's another one. Get aggressive with your future. I didn't even click on that one. I didn't want to know what get aggressive with your future is. Don't settle for leftovers. I didn't click on that one. I don't like leftovers anyway. Why would I want, you know, don't settle for leftovers. And then finally, this is so cliche again. Make things happen. Don't let things happen to you. You make them happen. You just don't sit back. You're either making them happen or, you're, or things are happening to you. So you go out and make them happen. Now, even though these may be extreme cases, very clickbaity, right? They're, so people will see them and click on them and want to see them. And I realize that. The Bible is so radically different. The Bible teaches us that we are to take the last place, that we are to allow people to get in front of us that the first will be last and the last will be first. It's this inversion principle that we find within the Bible. Invert the inversion principle in leadership that we take the lowest seat when we are leading people. That in, and this is our Christian walk as well. And it's such good direction wherever you are as a leader that you take that lower seat. We're also, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you become a servant to all. Imagine if you look as an opportunity to serve the people that are working under you to make them as productive as they are wherever you're a leader. Imagine what good leadership that is instead of kind of lording over them and demanding things of them and making them serve you, that you come alongside of them to serve them, to help them be the best that they can be. The Bible tells us as, as, as Christians, we're not to lord over people. That's what the world does. The Gentiles lord over people, Jesus said, but we're not to do that. We're told not to promote ourselves, that you find that all over secular leadership. Promote yourself, let them know how good you are. But we're to kind of settle back and say, God, I want you to promote me. I want to be able to do what you want me to do and I'm going to trust in you. We're not, not this is my own, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back, which you see a lot of. People are very fond of talking about all the great things that they do. And um, again, that the first will be last, this inversion principle. Now, the disciples are in the upper room with Jesus. He's talking to them about leaving them. He's been talking to them on the road about his death, dying, his resurrection. They haven't really been hearing him. They've been arguing about greatness on the way to Jerusalem. So much they're, they're walking along the road talking about greatness. And Jesus finally turns around and says, what are you guys talking about? And they said, uh, we don't want to tell you because they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Then they argue in the upper room. Then they argue on the way to Garden of Gethsemane. 
It's like they're just so disconnected from what's happening with Christ and what's happening in the kingdom of God. All they can think about is themselves. Now, this will change. And these men will radically change the world. The gospel will go throughout the world. Churches will begin and be established and have a lot of people come to Christ within the first century, which is so incredibly powerful. It will, it will travel to Armenia. It will travel to Egypt. It will travel to Turkey. It'll travel all around the world within the first century. These guys will get it and they will be very good at what they do. Right now, eh, not so much. So Luke 22, uh, we'll start in verse 24. Now, there was also a dispute among them to which of them should be considered the greatest. So here they go again. And I, I would love to hear how this conversation starts. It's so foreign to us today that they're like, you know, we're his 12 and this is the Messiah and the kingdom's going to be built. I think I should be the greatest. It's like a table full of Muhammad Ali's. I'm the greatest ever. You know, I'm the greatest of all time. I'm the prettiest you've ever seen. They're all bragging about themselves and talking about who should be considered to be the greatest. And this isn't the only first time that it started. Now, <clears throat> I want us to consider some of the things that Jesus had told them up to this point. Here they are at the table arguing about it. Listen to some of the things that Jesus said to them. First of all, Jesus said, don't take the best place. Jesus and the disciples were invited over to a Pharisee's house for dinner in Luke 14, 1 through 14. And Jesus observed them, the scribes and Pharisees, maybe even his disciples, taking the seats when it was time for dinner. This is a Sabbath meal and they're taking their seats. Now, in our tables, you have the head of the table and at special events, especially this may be reserved. You may want to honor a patriarch of the family or a matriarch of the family. And you put them on the edge of the table, the end of the table. You say here, this is for you. You know, and that's kind of an honoring thing. But they had the best place and the worst place and everything in between. And so when it came time for dinner, they all scrambled to those places. It was like musical chairs. They're cutting in. Sorry, I got this seat. So they were just going, going to town. And so Jesus sits down. And just so much like Jesus, he says, when you're invited to a wedding, he finally says, but when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who is invited, who has invited you comes and he may say to you, friend, go higher. Then you shall have glory in the presence of all of those who sit at the table with you. Forever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, this is a principle of life, not just leadership, that we take the lowest spot, that we take the lowest place. Now, I'm, and those of you guys who know me will know this is true. I'm a very competitive person. I've always been competitive. That is okay when we're playing horseshoes or, you know, darts or whatever. It's okay to be competitive then. But that competitiveness has been something that I've had to fight my entire life long. If I'm in a grocery store, I'm competitive to beating that guy down there to the line. He may be halfway in front. I'm like, I can get in front of him. I, I can get there. Everything, <laughs> police officers here, everything's a race, you know. <laughs> it's something that I've had to deal with, but it's something that really all of us have to deal with, that it's not about us. 
and we don't want to take the best place. Now, another thing that Jesus taught these disciples that are fighting over who's going to be the greatest is not to lord over people. In 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, Peter, one of the ones arguing about who's going to be the greatest, tells us how elders are supposed to rule. Now, elders are pastors, and like our church has several pastors. This is a direction to all of the pastors that are at the church. And, and, and Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, see, serving as overseers, not by compulsion or willingly, not for dishonest gain, but, e but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I cannot tell you in the time that I have spent in churches how often I have seen people who lord over other people. Some churches will tell you who you are supposed to marry. They're like, God told me you can't marry that person, you've got to marry this person. And I always think if you don't have to live with them for the rest of their life, you shouldn't be choosing them for somebody should allow people to choose. They'll, churches will tell you, God told me you're not supposed to leave this church. And if you find yourself in a church where the pastor says, you're here forever, you can never leave this church. God told me that. You go to another church, you're looking for dessert. You're not looking for, you know, the meat of the word. When they start saying those kind of things, it's time to go. It's time to go put yourself under leadership that will care for you and serve you instead of lording over you. It should be something that, and I'm talking to our pastors as well, we don't lord over the flock. We're not telling people what they should and shouldn't do. We are giving them the principles that we find in Scripture, helping them make good and solid decisions. And when we're approaching someone about the way that they're behaving, we're looking for the, to, to find correction that comes from the Word of God. Now, the next thing that Jesus taught them, and this is in Matthew 20. 20 through 28, we obviously won't read the whole thing, but he tells them that they are supposed to be a servant. That as a, as a leader, you are to serve. And you find this all throughout the Gospels. They, they should have gotten it. Even at the Last Supper, Jesus will get up and wash their feet and say to them, this you should do for one another. Be servants to one another and serve those who you're leading. But in this particular event, <clears throat> James and John, James is the first disciple to be killed. A few years after Jesus, Herod kills him with a sword. And, J and John is the last disciple to be killed, but he will be arrested. He's the pastor of Ephesus at the time. He's arrested by Diomitian, the emperor, because they put up a, a, uh, a temple to Diomitian in Ephesus, demanding everybody there revere him as God. Christians did not revere him as God. And there was a persecution that happened to the church in Ephesus. John was arrested, boiled in oil, fried, and survived, and then was exiled to the island of Patmos. So these guys would suffer. Uh, and James and John send their mommy to go meet Jesus. And so Salome, this is Mary who raised Jesus. It's her, her sister. And James and John are the first cousins. So Salome goes to Jesus and says, I, I, I want to ask you something and that you would do for me. Now, that's the kind of manipulation my kids would do. Dad, I want to ask you something, but I know you're going to say no. Right? But as, as if I go, no, I won't. Just ask me whatever you want to ask me. It's okay. So Jesus says, what do you want? 
And she says that my sons could sit at your right hand and left hand throughout the kingdom. Oh, that's all. And Jesus said, that's not for me to give. That's for my father to give. But as far as you, and he now he talks to the boys who are standing behind their mom as their mom's asking for this great position for them. And he says, can you be baptized in the baptism that I'm baptized with? Now, baptism means immersion. We always think of it as water immersion, but it means to be immersed. So he's saying, can you be immersed in the immersion that I'm going to be immersed in? This is the crucifixion. This is the suffering. And they will be, both of them. Now, even though John is probably the only disciple that wasn't martyred for Christ, that died of old age, he had his suffering even near the end of his life. They would be baptized in it. And they, instead of going, well, what baptism are you talking about? They go, yeah, we can be baptized in the baptism that you're going to be baptized in. And so then Jesus, the rest of the disciples find out that they did this, they get mad. It goes through the disciples. They brought their mom to ask for the greatest position. Now, they're not mad that they did it. They're mad that they didn't think about it first. And so Jesus has to set them all down and have a conversation with them. It's like a parent when you got your kids like, OK, we're sitting down. This is changing. So Jesus sets them down. Here's what he says. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them for those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. You as a leader, as a Christian, are not exercising authority over people. It's not so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be a servant. And whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, these next few that I have, I'm going to go quickly, and they're a little bit nuanced. They sound like they could be the same, but they're slightly different. Uh, Jesus said that we are to humble ourselves in leadership. This means we have to actively humble ourselves. It doesn't mean that we, we find ourselves as humble, so we've we got to actively do it. In Matthew 26, 6 and 7, it says of the rabbis, the, the leaders of their day, they love the best place in the feasts, the best seats in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplace for men to call them rabbi, rabbi. He'll go on to say, and we'll read that here in a few minutes in another text, in that same passage, don't exalt yourself, but be humble. Don't run around demanding that people would call you by certain names, by certain titles. The second, as I said, these are kind of nuanced. The first is to humble yourself. The second is to don't exalt yourself. Matthew 23, 11 and 12. But he who is greatest among you shall be a servant and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Again, you take that best seat. Now you're going to get humbled. You take the lowest seat and you got nothing but be, to be exalted. If you humble yourself in the sight of people, you're not patting yourself on the back, tooting your own horn then there's nothing else that can be done but for moving upwards. And, and God will do that. Don't promote yourself. Now, this is a big one in leadership. You, when you're in leadership, when you're in, in a corporation, there's a lot of opportunities to advance. And so there's a lot of advice about promoting yourself, letting people know who you are, getting on their radar. And this is not how we're supposed to do things. Proverbs 27, 2 says, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips, that you just let God do this. You're trusting God to be the one who can promote you. 
In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, we're told to do nothing through selfish ambition. Don't do anything so that you are going to benefit from it. Do nothing through selfish ambition. This is a really heavy commandment that we have. In, it says here, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. The word conceit there is self-glory. You're doing things to get glory for yourself. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. This is our mindset. That we don't walk around thinking, I'm better than most of the people in here. But you walk around thinking, I they're better than me. I want to serve them. This is a key to leadership. The key to effective leadership is that you see people as better than you and you want to serve them. You want to come alongside of them. You want to help them. It says, but let each not look out, only look out for his own interest. And we have to do that because the Bible says if a man doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel, a non-believer. So we have to take care of our own interests, but instead also for the interest of others. So we need to watch out not only for our interest, but for other people's interests as well. Now, one more, and then we're going to get back into our text. And that is, and this is an interesting one. We have to become like a child in our leadership. Listen to what happened. This is Matthew 18, one through five. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, they ask. Then Jesus called a little child to him and sat him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, they needed to change, unless you are converted and become as a child, you will by no means see the kingdom of heaven. Now they come and they say, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus brings a child in and says, you guys have so far to go. You're not even at a place you're going to get the kingdom yet. And to be in the kingdom, you've got to convert and be like a child. And then he goes on to say, therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the people that we think are the greatest are not the greatest. God doesn't see things the way we see them. Like he said of the woman who put the two cents in the, in the box in the temple that were giving their offerings, she gave more than anyone else. Well, how could that be from a worldly standard? Yet all these rich people given money and she gave more than anyone else. So when we get up into heaven, we're gonna look for Billy Graham to be the greatest, Yale Moody to be the greatest, Spurgeon to be the greatest. And God's gonna go, no, here's the greatest. We're like, who, who are they? There are people who humbly live their lives serving people, sacrificing, giving for people, didn't promote themselves, didn't do things out of selfish ambition, and they will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. So, so that you need to just take care of what's in front of you. Don't despise the days of small things. And just take care of the things that are in front of you and allow God to be able to do these things. Now, one more verse, and I just love this, so I threw it in. This is Psalm 75, 6 and 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor the west or from the south. Another translation says promotion doesn't come from the east, the west or the south. But God is the judge who puts down one and exalts the other. So when you truly walk by faith, you say we want our lives to count. We want people to be, be ministered to by us. We want to see people get into heaven because we have shined as a light for Christ. So we humbly say to him, you exalt, you put down, you let me do, you give me the influence you want me to have and I'll take that influence. And by faith, you live that way. That's not the way the world lives. Now let's get back to our text. So in verse 25, and he said to them, now remember they're arguing. So he says to them, 
the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. Now, this is a Greek word that you would call somebody that was in a great position of authority, um, kind of like, you know, your eminence or metropolitan. These words that people have used to call people that are used greatly. They're called benefactors. It's just a Greek word for someone that's got a really high position. But not so among you. Not to be, you're not to be called benefactors. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. Remember throughout the Old Testament, God did this inversion principle as well. Jacob was the younger brother, but Jacob lifted, he was lifted above his brother Esau. And when Joseph brought his sons to be prayed for by Jacob, he brought him to his father who was blind and his dad was supposed to take out his hands and put his right hand on the older boy and his left hand on the younger boy. That's the way Joseph brought him in. But when he brought him in, he crossed his hands and put his hands on the other boys. And Joseph was like, dad, 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 no. No, you're putting the right hand on it. And he's like, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. And that's that principle. Be as the younger. The older boy had all kinds of advantages because he was the firstborn, had all the rights of inheritance. And God says, be like the younger. Don't be like the older, Jesus said. And he who governs is one who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Now, this isn't hard to take. And, and just think of, a, think of a formal meal. Think of a formal meal with dignitaries there. And there's people who are serving. They're coming up and they're taking the plates and they're putting the plates down and they're taking the plates. And you ask the question, who's greater, the people at the table or the people who are serving? So Jesus answered and says, is it not he who sits at the table? Those that sit at the table are greater than the ones who are serving them. But here's what he's saying to them. Yet I am among you as one who serves. There's no one greater than Jesus, and yet he is one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom. These are the 12 apostles. And Judas aside, who will be replaced, they will have their names written on the foundations of the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. They are going to judge nations. It says, he says to them um, that you may eat and drink at my table in, the, in my kingdom. They're going to be sitting with Christ at his table. These 12 men who argued about who's going to be greatest. They don't even know what they got. And they're arguing over who's going to be greatest. And then he says, sit and sit on the thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. During the millennium, they're going to be judges. These guys are already great. In other words, he's saying, stop arguing about it. You're already great, but I am, am master and Lord and I serve you. So stop arguing over who's the greatest and start serving people. Now, we are a kingdom of priests, the Bible says. That we are kings and priests. That we are a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, you couldn't have royalty and priesthood together. And yet we, as God's children, are a royal priesthood. We have been given everything. We are going to, in, in Corinthians Paul says to them, they're arguing and suing one another. And Paul says to them, don't you know you're going to judge angels? I don't even know what that means. There's so many mysteries in the Bible. What does it mean I'm going to judge angels? Well, you guys have been having a dis dispute, angels, and I'm going to judge between you. What does it mean? I don't know. But you are greater than you understand. You already have greatness because you are a child of the living God and a co-heir with Christ. Therefore, be like your master and serve those around you. 
Take the lowest spot. Take the lowest seat. That's the idea. God will give you opportunities to do it this week, to be the servant, hold the door open, get the elevator door open, whatever you've got to do to be practical. And I think that God will give you opportunities to really be able to serve, to look for ways to be able to serve. Be the guy or the gal that jumps up and cleans the table when the table needs cleaning up. Be the person who's a servant. Let that be every part of your life. Let it be in your leadership and you will be like your God who is in heaven and you will be a good biblical leader. And who knows what God will do when we live that way, when we have this true biblical leadership. Now I wanna end with a quick story. James, uh, excuse me, Charles Swindoll told this story. I've shared it before, but it really helps to bring it into place. He was going on a trip with his oldest son, Chuck Jr. And it was just at a point where he's 18 years old. You know, he's becoming a man. So he wanted to get with his son and have one last trip. So they went on a rafting trip where they went to a certain area, Washington or wherever it was. And they went to several rivers and they rafted down them and they had guides that did it. It was a river rafting trip. He says, from the beginning of the trip, when we first got on the airplane, got on the buses, we, when we were looking for the rafts, when we were looking for the, the guides, we were looking for the best. I wanted this to be a good trip for my son and me. And so we took the best place on the trains, the best place on the buses. We looked for the best raft. We looked for the best guide. This is the whole trip long. I'm just looking for the very best for us. And then I get home and I finally look at the text that I'm supposed to teach that week. And it's Philippians chapter two. Do nothing for selfish ambition. Put other people's interest above your own interest. And in true, true Charles Swindoll form, he said, I have never been more ashamed of myself that I took that whole trip and showed my son that you seek your own way. And it was so impactful to me that, that a pastor would be so open that he would speak of his own shortcomings in such a way. But it was so powerful in helping me to understand it, it means giving up the best seat, literally. It means not always looking out for your own interests, but looking for the interests of others, putting other people in front of you. It's literally what it means. And it's very powerful. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that we can take time to learn from the disciples arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be those who would self-promote selfish ambition, that we would not be those who lord over people and demand things of them, but we would be those who would serve. And Lord, may this also be in our, in our secular jobs, our departments, or wherever we are, in, in the hospitals, whatever we're doing, may this be the kind of leadership that we have, biblical leadership, because we are your children. Thank you that we are kings and priests. And again, there's some mystery to that. We don't understand all of that. But we thank you that we are, and may we be like you, the King of Kings, who is a servant to all. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.